0: Everybody, welcome back to LA Not So Confidential. This is Doctor Scott. I'm here with the deviously intelligent.
1: Don't be, don't, don't try to pretend. What Would you just say I look like with my hair
0: like this? Oh, you looked a little schoolmarmish from my view, but like the colors off. You're because you're you've decided that your summer look is going to be severe, right?
1: Yes, parted down the middle, slicked back, low bun. Actually, I got this. I, I'm stealing Tammy Merhab Chavez's look because she's on TikTok a lot, and I'm like that. Looks looks very cool and it's a thousand degrees today so this is what you're getting all summer long
0: all right there you go all
1: right
0: hi. <laughs> hey welcome back weird it's epi- intro
1: but hi <laughs>
0: very strange but people probably at this point would expect nothing less so sure. episode number one zero three the tender swindler
1: what did i say the
0: tender the tender swindler I'm not even gonna edit that out. I'm not even gonna have Jason edit that out. That's perfect. The Tender Swindler. So again, this is part of our new weekly drops of episodes. We are going to have at least once a month a singular episode that is devoted to a true crime documentary that we have been asked by our listeners to review Mm -hmm. to kind of go over it, give our opinions on things, and give a psych perspective. And boy, Tender Swindler hits. All of those bullet points. Yes, so this is your pick this month. I know. Month. I know. So catch us up. What's going on?
1: Um, we just some housekeeping at the top here. We have new news for the Pacific Northwest True Crime Festival. We have a promo code for you to get 15% off your tickets. So we hope you will join us. The festival is gonna be held October 8th and 9th in Auburn, Washington at the Green River Events Center. And the promo code is LA Not So15. That's L-A-N-O-T-S-O-1-5. And we're also going to be doing a giveaway for two tickets to the event. So that will be happening on our social media platforms in probably early August. I want people to have enough time to know if they won the tickets or not. So be sure to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook for more to come on that.
0: Yes. And we are going to be doing a presentation that we normally only do for law enforcement and threat assessment teams. Yep. The formal name of our presentation is Case Studies in Loneliness, Rage, and Risk, Discerning Threat in the Age of the Incel." We have had the great opportunity to present this in a number of formal settings, and we are really stoked to share with our listeners the conference version of this that is yeah. sort of an updated, enhanced version of our first episode on the incels yeah. years ago.
1: Yes. I mean, that's where this was born. And you and I have had the pleasure to be able to talk to a lot of different entities about this. There might be some things that we're going to change because it's not a law enforcement crowd that has right. certain confidentiality issues that you know are privileges, I should say, that they get a little bit more information on some things, but it's going to be pretty darn close. So right. it's going to be great. But of course, prior to all that, we have the True Crime Podcast Festival in Dallas at the end of August, and then the Savannah Crime Expo on September 10th. So once next month gets here, it's it's going to be just off and running. Yeah,
0: it starts the role for the next three or four months. So that brought up something else. When we went to CrimeCon in Vegas, we had a great... Response to the swag that you took the helm on. We had the wonderful squeezy brains and great stickers, which of course we're going to continue to do that stuff. Mm -hmm. But you know, everybody out there, even if you're not going to be able to make it to one of the conferences, but you're interested in getting swag from us, give us some ideas. Like if you listen to another podcast and they had a super cool idea for swag and you want to share it with us, we're more than happy to take that up. I would love to know what kind of stuff you'd like with our branding on it.
1: Yeah, let us know what's useful to you. I mean, I hate when I get tote bags because it's like I have tote bags coming out of my ass. I don't need another tote bag, but you know, a a flashlight or or something just... Cool and useful would be really neat. And we're open to all of that. So we don't want to give you just crap that you're going to throw away. That's my pitch.
0: (laughs) Well, I got to say, like, I, when we saw who was it, was it Morph next to us? Who was it that had like the little metal safety whistles that could go on your keychain? I thought it was Morph, but I can't remember
1: who it was. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah.
0: Great idea. Great idea.
1: Yes. Okay. So, before we get started here, if you have not listened to our last episode, number 102, Bad Judges, we take aim at yet another profession mm-hmm. that we hold in high regard.
0: Yep, because no one is safe. No one's safe with us.
1: <laughs> in that episode, we cover the rule of law in the United States and the different types of courts where judges could hold a position on a bench. We also look at the research of the personality makeup of judges. And then, of course, we cover some judges who have behaved badly, to put it mildly, for the oh, ones we (laughs) and other ways that judges can lose their jobs. So it was a very interesting research project for you and I to kind of look into this and we'll have to see who's on deck to be the next profession for us to talk about. But we should get into our documentary for today. I thought it would be fun that at the introduction of these types of episodes, maybe we just talk a little bit about what we're watching or listening to because it's sort of this media entertainment episode and I feel like we used to do this a long time ago. I just thought it would be fun. That's a
0: great idea. What, What are you watching?
1: Watching wise, not much. I did finish some things that came out You know, what was it, six weeks ago when we had COVID, I (laughs) had a week to sit on the couch for once. But I have been watching Under the Banner of Heaven on Hulu, which I know a lot of folks have watched and finished already. I am not quite finished with it. I think it's a little bit of a slow burn, but super, super interesting. It's If no one has heard of it, no one's watched it. It's a murder mystery in Utah with a fundamentalist Mormon family at the center of this, as well as the homicide detective is Mormon. So super, super interesting stuff there and a lot of psychological components, I think, to that.
0: Have you watched it? I haven't, but it's on the list. Yeah, It's interesting. There's a lot to be watching right now. is, But you were saying, like, listening. I've Mm -hmm. also been catching up. You know, we were recently on the wonderful Jamie Rice's Dirty Money Moves, her new podcast. Yeah. And I really did a complete immersion into all of those episodes in order to be able to prep for the commentary that we were making. And I can't recommend it enough. Mm. There are so many good things that I can say about it. I would say this, like, there's a couple of episodes that are challenging because Jamie is like... like a human spreadsheet. Totally. With the detail that goes into the criminal activities of the subject of this series that she does, but I, I highly recommend it because I think it's an excellent example of how people can get conned. Yeah, it's it's just really outstanding. Yeah, it's um, a different
1: take on it, different twist than more normal.
0: Really is, is and on high level, not a not a low level grift, a very high level grift. So for entertainment, I've been watching the flight attendant two seasons. Of that it's fantastic. Third season of the boys, tough, tough, tough. Watch it's. Mm wickedly bloodily funny but it's mm-hmm. also like a really hard hard look at western culture like Got it. they are not pulling any punches and maybe even if the superhero genre is not your thing it really makes you think about the influence of media on our society I think it's really amazing and yet tough to watch. Outer Range is great. Veep is great. I love that for you is hilarious and dark. Mm. And then the one that I'm really enjoying, and I'm watching this while I do cardio at the gym, is an ID show called Signs... I think it's Signs of a Psychopath. Okay. And they really have one of the best selections of the most noted forensic psychologists, forensic psychiatrists, and forensic neurologists. And I mean, I I ended up like starting from episode one and taking notes because their resources are so good. I was like, oh shit, I did not know this. So good stuff.
1: Yeah, nice list there. Where the heck do you get the time? Cardio. Oh, geez. Cardio. Stop stop working out at me.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's all downhill from here. This is is just preservation at this point. I used to do it it to look good. Now I just do it to stay alive.
1: I do want to say I just finished a fantastic podcast that's put out by LAS Studios, who I adore everything that they put out. It's called Imperfect Paradise, The Forgotten Revolutionary. And it's about a Chicano activist from the 1990s from actually kind of Central California-ish is where he was going to school. But it's about him and kind of who he was probably going to be, but he had a very mysterious death. And so even though it's, it's not a true crime podcast, it's a really neat journalistic piece of going back, exploring who this man was, and also trying to help his family come to some resolution because there's so many unanswered questions about his death. It was just so, so good. So I can't recommend it enough. Yeah. Sounds great. Okay, so getting to today's episode, a documentary review on the Tinder Swindler. Yes, we know this documentary has come and gone, but some things are still happening in court soon, so it felt appropriate. And it's a great refresher on some concepts that you and I have covered several times now. I feel like
0: absolutely, and one of the things that popped up for me is that at really the beginning of this project, of this collaboration of you and I on Ellie Not So Confidential, we went to the first annual True Crime Podcast Festival in Chicago and connected with our lovely colleague in Hong Kong, Jules. Yeah, and she has a romance scam podcast. Right, uh, fool me so twice. Fool me twice, and it you know there are so many elements of that that really made this fascinating for me but as far as like related episodes that we've already done if you wanted to go back and refresh on some concepts that we're going to be kind of lightly touching on episode number 42 con men and the dark triad as well as episode 80 fish (laughs) (laughs) that was the best that was the best
1: leave that in too
0: (laughs) okay leave it in yeah as well as episode 86 which is catfishing bravo
1: Nice job, nice job. (laughs) Yes, please revisit those. Um, So a little bit of a confession here. I know jack shit about Tinder. I don't know anything about online dating. I have never engaged in that world. I think I was maybe on the cusp of all of this starting. I think everything I've ever learned about Tinder is from the girls on Yeah, no, Yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> I need millennials to tell me about it in a very funny way and living through them. But this is a world like I have no idea about online dating or app dating.
0: It's interesting because maybe it's because I have more... Well, clearly, it's because I have my private practice as well as my day job because it is the reality of connection in the 21st century. Oh. Yeah, And so I've, I've sat with people and gone through, you know, like how to deal with their anxiety when they're using the apps, how to, we work on exercises on how to build profiles for match or plenty of fish those kind of things. So I'm a little more familiar with it when, when people are really struggling with how do I present myself authentically in a way that I'm comfortable with. So that's been going on for me for over 10 years and and like, because the dating sites have been around for a long time. Yes. Um, Yeah.
1: Match actually match.com was the first online dating site and that was launched in 1995. Yeah. So, you know, that was before I even graduated high school, but today in the U S apps are the second most common way to find a significant other.
0: Right. Look, app dating has really changed the landscape and not necessarily across the board in a good way. And I have, Mm. like I said, I have the majority of my single clients across the board here after... COVID or, you know, in a lull of COVID, having real difficulty connecting because the apps are not designed to connect you. They are designed not to connect you, but to keep you connected to the app, ah, to the algorithm, to the it. advertising. They may say, we want you to get on here so we can close your account. But that clearly is not what's going on because a recent study conducted by the Pew Research Center discovered that almost 30% of adults in the U.S. have attempted the use of computer aided online dating through apps, the number goes into the millions of those utilizing dating sites and dating apps on a regular basis. So COVID marked a significant spike of e-connection during this pandemic. But the real question, Mm. is anybody actually really connecting?
1: Right. Yeah. I mean, there's 50 million users on Tinder alone. Wow. And... Twenty six million matches are made daily. So,
0: but twenty six million matches does not mean that they connect in real life. No, no,
1: no, no, no. Right? I mean, so from what the, I understand, right? Oh, I, I I get that much because the documentary showed me that like just a swipe could be a match, right? Yeah. Like. If you match up and then SBDAs or swipe based dating apps like Tinder, as well as Hinge and Bumble have a unique feature where the user swipes the screen to either like or dislike another's profile. So that's what we're talking about here. Additional studies in this area, you can see our resource page, show that symptoms of distress, anxiety, and depression are higher and SBDAs than other types of apps or computer-based systems like just a website. App dating is convenient and the process is much more expedient than dating sites. But are people any more successful? App use has been found to be associated with low self-esteem, body image challenges, and an increase in baseline of symptoms of depression. So despite this, almost 60% of people who regularly use them assert that apps are a good way to meet people.
0: Well, it may be the only outlet because, I mean, I came of age in a time where you went out to bars. That's how you met people. You yeah. went out or you met people through people in parties, but you, especially being a gay man, going out to bars was the thing. So now it's just sort of set up like there was this thing that we used to talk about when you went out to bars to try and connect with people or go out with your friends, it's like you'd meet somebody that you feel like you had maybe a potential connection with, Mm -hmm. but they were always looking over your shoulder at the door. Like, well, who else is coming in? Who else, who's coming in that I haven't seen? And you know what? And I have to say, I was probably guilty of that myself at some point. So it's not like we're saying that, you know, apps came in and ruined everything because dating has always been problematic in some way in our culture. Mm -hmm. But aside from the body image issues, the low self-esteem and the raising baseline symptoms of depression, what else could go wrong? So here's what it shows. Any use of phone and computer apps can fuel social media addiction. And yes, it is an addiction stimulates the brain centers just like a substance does 54% of women reported feeling burned out from online dating and 97% of men were more likely to say that they felt addicted to the apps wow yeah. I mean, I think it's just uh it's that combination of non-conscious scrolling and swiping. And then that becomes sort of like a little bit of a tiny dopamine hit, you know, that gets you of addicted. Course. It's just like the old experiments with the the pigeons, you know, hitting the bar for the pellet of food. It's like that's well what and we then become. you come
1: yeah, you combine that with someone's obvious desire to have a connection with another person, regardless of what that connection is, how that's defined for them. But you're basing this reward system and pairing that with something that's innately emotional already.
0: Right. At at different levels for different people. And the higher the potential for connections also means the higher levels of percentages of rejections. Mm -hmm. So access to the apps being instantaneous, it can encourage people to think that they should be getting nonstop responses, which generally does not happen and the lack of knowledge about why someone is not getting a response often leads to people questioning their value their self-worth and even the veracity of their identity as being dateable sure sure
1: oh man what happened to just like meeting people in bars and going on love connection (laughs) oh my god love connection Dating television shows. We haven't talked about
0: that. The dating game. Yeah, you could meet a serial killer like Rodney Alcala. Hey,
1: why not? We'll be back in two and two. Okay. (laughs) So in brief, the Tinder swindler is the story of three women duped by an alleged con man from Israel. And although most viewers can probably come to the correct assumption that he's guilty, he has not been charged or held accountable for the accusations that are made against him in the Netflix documentary. His star of exposure has definitely risen in the last year after the enormous coverage in media and the accusations that he had swindled people out of millions of dollars.
0: Yeah, and luckily for Netflix... The doc scored a 97% fresh rating on Rotten Tomatoes, as well as three and three-quarter stars on IMDb, and even higher ratings among all the other newspapers and entertainment tabloids that are put out. In my opinion, what makes this particular documentary work so well is how incredibly tight the narrative is. It is, I think, an hour and 50 minutes So it's just under two hours. We focus on three victims who connect with each other during the commission of this grip. They're not the only victims, but they're the three victims that were willing to come forward. We really should note that. It's really strongly implied that these three women who participate in the documentary were a small selection of victims and the only ones that were actually willing to come forward.
1: Yeah, I mean, I really appreciated that the producers let the victims completely drive the narrative. Oh, Yeah. I mean, that was so refreshing. And I think we really need more of that in true crime. I mean, let's let them tell their story and let them be vulnerable or emotional if they want to. I don't want it mm-hmm. fake. I don't want anyone pressured right. into it. But I believe that, and I, I feel like I saw it in this, that it gives the power back to them to some extent. I also like the way that this narrative is constructed to make sure to give what appears to be a well-rounded presentation of the characters. Yeah. I mean, every time I would throw my hands up and frustration about some of the decisions that were made, the next scene would provide a lot of context for how each of them was lured into Shimon's web.
0: Thank you for saying that because I really had to check myself and my bias of course. well into like the first 30 minutes I, because I kept going, are, are you kidding me? Oh my God, no, why, why are you doing this? But let me back up. Let's just give you the main players. The tender swindler as he's known was born in Israel as Shimon Hayut. To be honest... <laughs> As a gay man, I'm going to say he's not particularly physically remarkable in any sense, except for he's tight. You know, he's got like sort of a boyish figure for someone in his early to mid 30s. He dresses like, I think, in a tacky rich way. To me, it never spoke of class. It spoke of a lot of money, but there are way too many labels on the things that he wanted all the labels to be seen, which is very interesting because rich people don't do that at rich all. people
1: you would never know it's you like solid know. colors no labels yeah I mean <laughs> like I, uber I wealthy. when,
0: when yeah. I did when I did retail in Beverly Hills a million years ago that was one of the things that my manager said is like the ones who really have the money look one step away from being like they live out of their car because yeah. they just don't you know that's not what they're coming in for they're not coming in for the labels so anyway Shimon reinvented himself as Simon Liev the son of now known as a fictional non-existent son of Lev Leviev. So Lev Leviev is actually a real person, a real multi-millionaire mm-hmm. in Israel and the Middle East for diamonds, like really well-known in the diamond industry. The entire family has had money for years.
1: Yes. So throughout the documentary, we follow the stories of three of Shimon's victims they are all from Nordic countries, so I'm not going to pronounce their last names because I will completely butcher them. But starting with Cecilia, then Pernelia, and finally Eileen. And the viewer gets to initially meet Cecilia as she shares the overwhelming excitement of meeting a guy who hits all the markers, right? And even more than yeah. what she was probably even looking for. Yeah. The next victim, Pernelia, is woven into the narrative with an identical experience of the love bombing from Shimon. And then we finally have Eileen, who's brought in and really appears to be the one who didn't play the game the way that Shimon was expecting, which fortunately becomes his undoing.
0: So, like I was saying before, the real Levy family is an Israeli diamond magnate, investor, and philanthropist, as well as the founder of an enormous diversified conglomerate called Africa Israel Investments. And according to Forbes magazine in 2018, he had a net worth of a billion dollars. So I correct myself earlier, not a multi-millionaire, but an actual billionaire. So Lviv is also known to be a significant philanthropist for Chabad Lubavitch, which are supporting causes in Eastern Europe and Israel. So the guy has a great reputation, the family has a great reputation, and a lot of money.
1: Yeah, that's what honestly was a little confusing to me at first. I was like, is this family even real or did he create this whole online persona of the company? But turns out that yes, the family's real. He's just not a part of it.
0: Right. Right.
1: So let's get back to little Shimon. Excuse me, Simon. He engaged in a pretty standard con of seducing or wooing women by completely overwhelming them with a taste of the lifestyles of the ultra, ultra rich. We're talking Private jets, the most expensive cars, clothes, hotels, food, like always ordering absolutely everything from the menu. Exactly. Who does that? Like, nobody's going to eat all that. Just this really showy way of overwhelming them. I mean, how do you even... How are you able to think, you know, when that's happening?
0: Yeah, pretty ostentatious. Like, really kind of going over the mark. That food thing is a great observation. Mm. Because when you said it, I immediately went back to, oh, that's right. They even are filming it for their Instagram. Of just... It's two of them eating dinner, and there's an entire table... Of all these different sushis, like, you, you can't eat all that. It's going to go in the garbage. Like, why would you do that?
1: I know. Yeah, I was, it was really setting up that dynamic of ostensibly showing his financial worth.
0: Exactly. Well, once little Shimmy had his opening with his mark, more on that later, he creates an environment that combines a classic cult term called love-bombing. Mm -hmm. with assuring each mark that they're so special and so unique. In essence, what he's doing is he is sowing the field for rapid growth of what I call faux intimacy. Yep because true intimacy takes a long time to develop. You know, these women were brought in and within a really relatively short time, they were each talking about long-term relationships, which is just not realistic.
1: Right. And again, you and I sitting back going, wait a minute, this is not real. This is not realistic, but it's happening so fast. Like all these markers, they're just like their head is spinning. They're trying to enjoy it.
0: Exactly. He's using the overwhelm in order to make it work.
1: Yes. Yes. So there's marriage proposals. There's house hunting. I want you to be the mother of my kids, future plans. And then there's a little twist thrown in there. So because of his father's fortune and business, Simon's enemies are after him, yes, of course. enemies,
0: because if you're rich, you have enemies.
1: Yes. <laughs> and he he's proving that he's in danger and basically has to go underground off the grid for a little bit. And you know what? This billionaire son now starts asking these women for money because he has to go underground or whatever that is supposed to
0: mean. I think it was like he, the excuse he used consistently was that they could trace him through his credit cards. Right,
1: right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. So he needs a lot of money and he needs it really fast. And yeah, can't risk being traced. So that's where we end up.
0: But let's just put, let's take a pin of that and throw it about 45 minutes in the future. Because (laughs) again, completely unrealistic, like not realistic at all that the the person you're in an emergency state and the person that you're going to depend on is someone you've known for less than a month.
1: Yeah. When we talk about our red flags later, I comment on that, but Again, these three women are really at the core of this documentary. We do meet Cecilia first. She's a Norwegian woman. She opens the entire film. She is a self-proclaimed Tinder expert. Like she loves it. She loves the thrill of it. She loves the feeling of being nervous when she matches and she's going to go meet someone, but also is like this adorable, hopeless romantic. I think she's just the sweetest. But right away, there's this Disney princess reference and like how it shapes little girls' expectations of love that she she's talking about. It's not the documentary pushing this on her. She starts talking about it.
0: Well, and you know what? I got to give her props for authenticity about yeah. what is exciting to her and attractive to her. And that's a great thing for all of us to look at. It's like sometimes the things that we're really attracted to may not be in the real world the best things for us. She even uses the example going to the disney trope that you're talking about. She uses Beauty and the Beast as a reference and which yep. like we've sort of humorously <laughs> talked about this and it's it's also in the media, it's memes about this yes. that Beauty and the Beast has disturbing themes in it. But even the original fairy and the original fairy tale was a lot worse, but coercive control, potential kidnapping, Stockholm syndrome, it touches yeah. on all that.
1: Maybe not the best trope for <laughs> A fantasy yeah. relationship.
0: Right.
1: Well, it ends up she does not turn the beast into a prince and ends up getting taken for about a quarter of a million dollars in loans and credit card debt by Simon.
0: Yeah, very, very jarring. When yep. in, at that part in the documentary where they start revealing how much money Unbelievable. they had given him. Pernilla, she's a Swedish woman. She really prides herself on being independent, not needing anybody else to provide for. She, that comes across very strongly as mm-hmm. she's speaking. And I got to say, all of them were great interviews. They were wonderful on camera. They're screen ready. They're ready to go and and adorable. Like you can you really like them. She ends up meeting Simon and they decide just to be friends.
1: Yeah, and I really like her a lot for that because it's like they meet, I think she says he made a move and then they were both like, eh, no, let's just be friends. But it really comes across to me, she's a bit of a tough cookie. You know, she doesn't really take shit from anyone and it probably comes from that independence that she really prides herself on.
0: Yeah, I guess the problematic thing here is that that really only reinforces Shimon's abilities as a con man. Totally. because So he runs into a wall and realizes, oh, I have to change my tactics slightly, And I have to be patient and he does it and it works because, I mean, she, yeah, she's super interesting because she gets duped as a friend Mm -hmm. while not chasing romantic or financial stability and not, we're not indicating that any of the other victims were gold diggers or anything like that. No, This is just part of thousands of years of cultural pressure of how male and female relationships are supposed to work in the Western world. This is a result and this is how people take advantage of it. But she, Pernilla also seems to be exploring all of this to see how it's going to work out. But you pointed out something when we were discussing it. She paces herself. Yeah. She paces herself, which is the smart thing to do. And yet she still gets duped. Yeah. So very interesting.
1: Definitely. I think there's a a piece of that if someone is just your friend. And because if you've had your heart broken once, you're always going into a relationship hoping that doesn't happen again. There's like this fear, not expectation, but this mild awareness that this could happen. But if you're just someone's friend, that feels so unconditional and so wholesome. And you're right. It does show how talented he was to be able to make people feel true friendship, not just romanticize them, but actual friendship. So yeah, I'm I'm so glad she was a part of this because I love that we have that piece too. Because then we also have Eileen, she's from Amsterdam, and she sees an article out of a big newspaper company out of Norway that just goes viral and... She's scrolling through her phone one day and sees this article about Simon and him being the Tinder swindler and the reports from Cecilia and Pernilla. While she's dating him, she like looks down and says, this is my current boyfriend. So she's just like, what the fuck is my boyfriend doing in this article? And she's really, really pivotal in getting him arrested. And not does she only tip the cops off to where he's going to be, but she dupes the shit out of him to, because he had also gotten money out of her. Right. And she thought, uh-uh, he's not getting away with this. I'm going to meet up with him and he seems to be in dire straits. And I'm going to tell him that I can help him Sell all of these clothes that he has so many, such a labeled wardrobe. And she worked in luxury fashion that she's like, Oh, let me sell it for you. He gives three suitcases of clothes to her and is expecting her to sell it and give him the money. And she never does. So bravo,
0: Eileen. She also is very realistic, you know, in that like she's talking about how she organizes it and cleans it and then puts it on the market, but Mm -hmm. knowing that it's not going to be full price. And she's, you know, she only gets back a fraction of what she lost, but at least she got some satisfaction. And what you get to see in this documentary is how smooth and suave and controlled he could be when things were going his way. Mm -hmm. And when things weren't going his way, the guy would just crumble, like really, really show you what a rage-filled toddler he is. I mean, absolute rage-filled. I
1: was just going to say, little Shimmy was having a lot of temper tantrums.
0: (laughs) Yes. And you know, people that watch it, the viewers, they're frustrated with the lack of legal action, but here's a problem his victims willingly gave him the money because they believed his con. And it's yeah. not always illegal to impersonate someone that you're not or someone that doesn't exist. Right. So there's the yeah. problem.
1: I, and I think they even state in the documentary, it's almost the perfect scam because what are you doing? You're just asking someone to open a credit card in their name and sending you money or sending you the card and allowing you to use it.
0: Remember, what we educated people on in our con man episode is con is short for confidence confidence.
1: Yes. He was
0: able to instill confidence in these women that he could be trusted, that he would pay them back, that he would be able to sustain this crazy lifestyle that they were enjoying. And it was all part of a scam.
1: Yep. So as far as his criminal career in the totality of it, the onset appears relatively recent and overnight. However, in the documentary, they talk about being able to trace back that how he first stole a check from his employer as a teenager. So this wasn't overnight, even though it hit the media relatively fast after these women decided to take things into their own hands. But it started when he was a teen, and it escalated from there. In 2011, Shimon was charged with theft, fraud, and forgery in Israel. And he ended up escaping Israel and moving to Europe, where he then began to develop this very successful dating scam grift. He made several obvious mistakes, though, because in 2017, he was actually convicted for a second time in Finland for defrauding his marks. But before he could be incarcerated, he moved back to Israel where charges were waiting for him. And in 2019, after he pled guilty to fraud charges, he was imprisoned in Israel and sentenced to 15 months, but released after serving five for good behavior. Five months is all this guy has done. Aside from pretending to be the Prince of Diamonds, he had previously pretended to be all sorts of things. He had said he was a pilot. He had said he was in the arms dealing business. Or sometimes he said he was part of the Mossad, which is the Israel Intelligence Agency. But worldwide, it has been estimated that Simon is accused of owing $10 million to his victims.
0: It's fascinating the areas that he chose to inhabit as uh, as identities, because all of those sound sexy, mm-hmm. and yet they all are people that have to be invisible.
1: Well, you know, it also like, sounds scary. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, exactly. I mean, but, but I guess it worked for some people, and he may have had some some of these scams that he ran that maybe it'll be revealed later on as things continue to open up. I would not be surprised if not all of them were romance scams. I think he probably was venturing into other areas as well. That'd be very interesting to find out. But as far as his dating scam, Shim Shim utilized, I'm sorry, we're gonna I despise him so much. I'm just gonna come up with every nickname no I apologies, can bring. So, he's here. Little Shimmy. Little Shim Sham, Shimon utilized the basic foundation of a Ponzi scheme in his machinations with tender dates. So he would woo them, seduce them into the relationship. He's the guy who listens, mm-hmm. otherwise known as the guy who's asking you all sorts of personal questions in order to form a full profile on you, your family, and your financial means. But that gets misinterpreted by the person who's sitting on the other side of the table. The person on the other side of the table is thinking, wow, A guy who listens, he's actually listening to me. So what happens is very quickly, this results in forming a faux intimacy. It's not real, but you feel like you're connecting with someone. So just putting a pen in it, intimacy is a two-way street, folks. If you are engaging in an intimate relationship, there is information that's going back and forth. It's not a one-way street. Unfortunately, we know that one of the dynamics in traditional heterosexual relationships in Western culture is that women tend to be frustrated in relationships because their male partner will not listen, will not acknowledge what they're actually saying. They may not be asking for a fix. They're asking for processing time. They're asking right. to be heard. And I mean it's it is the easiest and the hardest thing in couples, which is one of the yep. most frustrating types of work for me. But back to his steps. So he's creating this faux intimacy. He is setting up in them a firm belief that he is very powerful, connected, and completely in love with them. So now he's laid the groundwork for a narrative that he's in danger because of his family's enemies. He supports that narrative by having an ever-present bodyguard. And he's also laid that. He's been dropping breadcrumbs about that the whole time. Why do you have a bodyguard? Oh, it's just for personal protection. Mm-hmm. Slowly amping it up so that it becomes more dangerous and sexy. And, right. you know, air adding to an air of mystery about him and his family. So then... He stages a phony emergency supported by pics of his bloody bodyguard. They're sitting in the back of an ambulance while yep. his bodyguard is being tended to by an EMT. And then he asserts to his marks that he has to go underground because his credit cards are being tracked. So he can't, doesn't have any access to his cash, doesn't have any access to his credit cards. He asks them for money, he receives money, and then he turns around and uses that money to continue to fund the lavish lifestyle that he's continuously selling to other marks. One of the things that that they touch on in this documentary is how he was able to keep multiple plates spinning in the mm. air. So he would move away from the dinner table saying, I have to take this call. It's very important. And then he goes over and, you know, basically says sweet nothings to his next victim. You yeah. got to give it to him. His ability to keep everything going and uh, with multiple victims was, was impressive.
1: And that's the Ponzi scheme, right? So you're getting yeah. money out of one woman. That's how it goes. So he gets the money out of one. He... Then, you know, says he has to go off the grid and go underground. Well, when he's quote unquote underground and unavailable with her money, he's then partying and taking out the next one. And then it just kind of hops like that. Let me ask you this. What do you think about the pictures of his bodyguard and the blood and the ambulance do you think those were real? Do you think they were from like a real incident where he was like, finally, I can weave these in? Do you think he said, hey, let's start a fight because I need real photos? <laughs> what do you think about those?
0: I don't know. I wonder if it was a happy accident. I wonder if it was like, I mean, look, his bodyguard is a big, impressive, I mean, we're talking big, like big bodybuilder, beefy guy clearly roided out. I mean, clearly, clearly roided out because his arms are bigger than his head, which is the dead giveaway for steroid use, by the way.
1: And his head was pretty big.
0: (laughs) His head was pretty big. But, you know, there are videos of them that get interspersed throughout the documentary, Uh, especially there's one showing them at a club doing like the champagne service. Yes. Which is just like kind of garbage guy trashy. That's not what ultra rich people do. It just isn't. But they're partying and drinking a lot. And that bodyguard is getting like, you know, sat on by girls and and performers. And he's got this big dumbass grin on his face in one shot. And I was like, oh, like, really? You're supposed to be the one that stays straight and not under the influence of anything in order Damn to it. protect him. you took him. one of my red flags, Scott. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> (laughs) We have plenty more. We have plenty more. Anyway, I I went on. But like, there's just so much that maybe hide inside is 2020, you know, as we were watching it and going, oh, that, that, that.
1: So let me connect some dots from what you said, though, that if he is partying with him, he's involved with, you know, maybe there was some sort of altercation at some point with some girl's boyfriend or a bar fight or something. Okay. And then it's like, oh my God, because he's like literally filming in the back of this ambulance like who does that unless you're like oh here's more content for my scam so sorry to his bodyguard had to be the one that took the brunt of it but i guess that's what he's paid for
0: well but that is connected to another part of that keeping the plate spinning because he uses that video over and over again. Yep. He's, he uses it with with different women. At different and, times. And what what the three women, the three subjects of the documentary, find out, they're all like, at one point, they're all like trading information and they're realizing mm-hmm. they've all been sent exactly the same pictures. They've right. been sent exactly the same loving texts and descriptions about their future lives together. He basically was copying and pasting just over and over again. I can kind of imagine that if he, I don't know if, if he was using like the browser version of WhatsApp and just yes. copying. Copy, paste, copy, paste, send, copy, paste, send, copy, paste, send, you know?
1: Yeah. Well, and they actually show like him doing a video message on a private jet in a certain outfit, sends the message to Cecilia, and then almost like breaks character for a second and then gets into, hi, Eileen, I love you, I miss you. And it's like, he just like, okay, send this one off. Wow. Okay, time to record the second one. Let's do this.
0: So what but, did you think of, of the, the Finland group? <laughs> like when you see them walking on the plane, and I think it a it Pernilla that's oh. it, about the extra person in the picture.
1: So yeah, this is the one twist that I can't explain is that when Cecilia, the first night she fucking meets him, he's like, hey, want to go to Bulgaria with me and my team. So she goes, he explains that his ex and their like toddler daughter is going to be going on this trip with them with all of his entourage. So, you know, I obviously like it sort of smelled like bullshit, but I thought, God, this adds such a deep layer that she's totally going to believe like, oh... Like he just takes care of his women, like even if they're not together and he's taking care of his daughter and all of that. But the freaking twist to this is that that woman was actually one of the victims from when he was prosecuted in Finland, meaning she sat in a courtroom and put him in prison. might have been only for five months, but now she's fully in on his new scam. Yeah.
0: Woo. Yeah. That part's very weird. I, and I more think more that. Cecilia even talks about how, well, she talks about like enjoying playing with the daughter, like playing with the toys and, and interacting yeah. with her. I feel that Cecilia is being very careful about how she actually describes her interactions with that. Mm-hmm. It's very evasive like, oh, she was sort of nice. I didn't talk to her that much. I'm like, hmm. I don't know about that, but that's one yeah. of the one things that felt really squeegee for me that I come away from this. But yeah, I, I, that part really got me. Is she actually his baby mama? What what kind of post-con-con did he use to get back at her or did she reach out to him? I mean, it's I had an enormous ick factor that I still can't get around. Why, why would you go on a trip with that situation? But then again, I keep assuming that all these red flags that we're going to talk about, I keep assuming that if it happened to me that I would go, nope that's it. I can walk away from it. it, Clearly that's just not, that's just not the way it works. They
1: might've had a real relationship. There might be some domestic violence stuff there where she's going back to him. He's going to guarantee her that she's going to get a cut of the money this time. I mean, we don't Uh, know what this woman's situation was. And if she has a child to care for and who knows how much he took her for, if she's not getting restitution, she might have said, this is the only way, you know, he's going to cut me a check and we're going to dupe these other ladies. I don't know. So,
0: Right. And and we've so we've set it up for it. That's the basic. There's a lot more. It's really worth watching, but that's basically the the meat of the con is that he's running a Ponzi scheme with women. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it is a really unbelievably lucky confluence of events that expose him. Or was it? Maybe there's something else going on underneath yeah. that we didn't know. I feel like that he was inevitably heading towards exposure. It felt like he was getting sloppy. I mean, it's amazing the amount of money that he conned, you know, if you conned $10 million and you took half of it and did something reasonable with it, you would set up like a whole dynamic that would support your growth. Your, it was very weird right. financial decisions, but all three of the women worked with the newspaper that got involved in the case to expose him. And it's really, they talk about how hurtful some of the feedback was from the public calling them gold diggers and right. um, opportunists and, and stupid yeah. bimbos. But you really don't get the sense that that was going, what was going on. They didn't use the greatest judgment, but I think it's a cautionary tale for anybody. That's the way that this documentary should be viewed. There's also a really great article in our resources page that interviews, if I'm saying this right, Shagit Laviv, And she's one of the actual leviv family members that sent up like a warning flare in 2017, Mm -hmm. because she got a call from one of their bankers saying, hey, who wrote this check for $350,000? And the thing that she talks about really being disturbed because she had this banker across the world sending her pictures of the checks. And she said that everything checked out, like everything except the account number was correct. But like the logo, the print quality, he had really spent some money making fake checks.
1: Yeah, she's... She's now the CEO. She's Lev Laviv's daughter. And yeah, I, I have more to say about her. She seems like a really great person in a moment, but kind of turning this back to the core things that we've spoken about before, as far as confidence men, which we've covered a lot in our episodes and on other podcasts, as you mentioned, and YouTube shows, you name it. So we all know by now that generally. Swindlers have a personality makeup known as the dark triad, which includes the presence of narcissism, psychopathy, and Machiavellianism. And after watching the Tinder Swindler, you can see how this plays out as, you know, he remains cool as a cucumber at times. And then like you said, goes into his full-on tantrums and angry and goes like directly to threatening behavior and vacillating back and forth depending on what he needs all to keep these women at bay for his end goal, which is to collect more money. Even though it's going to completely ruin these women, he does not care. It's all about what is his end goal? What is he trying to get? And even to the point where there's some suicidal ideation happening with some of his victims.
0: Absolutely, they and they talk briefly but Im- impactfully about the sense of shame yes. that they experience when they realize what was going on and the fear. You know, they're constantly their fear when they really care about him and think that something's happening to him. So, yeah, there's narcissism in his actions, but also the significant thing here is the sociopathy in his lack of concern. For how he ruins their lives. He's just, he is leaving a trail of destruction. Once mm-hmm. again, talking about Cecily, who was a, the first woman spoken to, she had a good job, but she was n- not a millionaire or a, a, a rich person by any means. So racking up a quarter of a million dollars in debt of loans with, with high interest rates... You know, that is something, I mean, she really was overwhelmed by that. Yeah, definitely. And there's also flavors of it in his victims. That's the kind of thing where like, well, I wouldn't believe it if this was happening to other people, but I mean, he clearly loves me. It's sort of Mm. the the cognitive bias that they seem to be allowing themselves. Again, I'm not saying that in a shaming way. I'm saying that this is a cautionary tale for all of us.
1: Yeah, I, I think it is a bit of that, what is it, fundamental attribution bias where like when bad things happen to other people, we blame them, not the situation. And when exactly. bad things happen to us, we say, oh, it's all about these external factors. And it's kind of the reverse of that. Like, he clearly loves me and I was duped, you know, more than someone else might have been. It's just easier when you're on the outside looking in. But turning to the victims, I think we've we've covered this a bit before as well. Whether it's a finance scam, a catfishing situation, or getting into, sucked into a cult or an MLM, there's generally some things, some key things that are happening for the victim. A lot of times they're in this phase of transition or seeking after a period of feeling like they have not been afforded what they deserve. They're sort of down on their luck or how they thought life would work out, wasn't working out that way. Just maybe they're not at where they think they should be at this point in their life, be it romantic or financial or spiritual, whatever. And then along comes at the perfect time somebody with all the answers to rescue whatever sort of crisis or transition they're in. And when we are feeling confident or are not in need of whatever it is that person is offering or selling, we're really better at seeing through the bullshit. But when, again, it taps into that emotionality of what we feel like we really need in that moment, it's just a perfect storm.
0: It goes back to... Cecilia's reaction and her sort of... I mean, I say this... I'm not saying this in a critical way because it's adorable. She has a real starry eye quality about her. It is very Disney princess as she's talking about it. You know, her eyes kind of slightly look up as she's on camera and she's talking about sort of the way it's supposed to be. And it just... It's, again, one of those traps that all of us can fall into when we see what we want to see rather Mm -hmm. than letting in objective reality. So... Hey, if we were gonna uh, if we were gonna like try and make a bid for a DSM diagnosis of this, what would you what would you call it?
1: How about Dream Guy Denial Syndrome? Well, I'll make it a syndrome because we know syndromes don't really mean things. <laughs> <laughs> We've dispelled enough of those. Yes,
0: thank you for that. <laughs> it's a
1: thing, but it's not a real thing. So yeah, let's go with Dream Guy Denial Syndrome (DGDS).
0: Okay, that's a really good so. <laughs> the dream guy, I'm denying reality syndrome. I like that. I right. I came up with a little bit more from like a little Shakespearean,
1: of course, Deus ex
0: machina dating syndrome. So Deus ex machina in in a lot of uh, classic plays, all the you know from classic Greek plays all the way up through you know the the growth of theater is that the re- resolution of the story comes from an act of God. Or gods or spirit or magic that, you know, sort of basically comes down from the heavens and fixes things. And it may not be the Mm. way you want it fixed, but it gets fixed. So I, that's what I come up with. And again, maybe this is my bias on it of what I think I would be like in a situation such as this, is that, you know, you just kind of hope that someone's going to come along and fix my relationship problem. So I don't have to date anymore. I don't have to, like, sprain my finger swiping hundreds of thousands of times. And it's going to be perfect. And it's going to be the way that I've dreamed that it's going to be. And, oh, also, it's going to happen overnight. It's going to happen really quick. Because that's romantic. That's like love at first sight. By the way, love at first sight does not exist.
1: That's not true. No, I'm just kidding. It was lust at first sight when I saw my husband.
0: Uh, well, that's okay. clearly mine too. That's different. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we lucked out. We totally lucked out.
1: We did. We did. I like that. I like that. You, the, Of course you went Shakespearean.
0: <laughs> well, look, <laughs> I like, I, I want, I want it honest, to be compassionate because clearly I don't want to be one of the ones that are the assholes saying that they were gold diggers. I don't think it was that at all. I think it was being shown mm-hmm. something wonderful and potentially elevating your life very quickly, I think we all, and I'm not sure anybody would not have some version of that, of being right. pulled into that. Um, well,
1: and, you know, I think, I think they said it in the documentary, or if it was in some of the articles I was reading with these women speaking further, but they were like, how are we gold diggers if we fucking gave him all these all this money. Perfect point.
0: Yeah. (laughs) I'm sorry. It doesn't make sense. It does. And it also doesn't work that way. It's like going back to the dancer at Crazy Girls Dance Club and saying, hey, I was really coked out last night. Can I have that $200 back? That's Um, not going to work. Sorry. (laughs) That's completely different. So I I would say I want to be compassionate about this. But again, maybe this is like a bit of an episode that is psychoeducational is that all of us need to finally tune our radar a little bit and finally tuning your relationship radar means that you're going to work on your insight because I think that that's something that we did see in these examples is and not all in the same way it's not like I'm putting a cookie cutter response on all three women but each of them had a little bit of a lack of insight into the dangers you know, the hidden dangers. Mm -hmm. Although Eileen clearly was the one that like, well, she got, she figured it out from the newspaper, right?
1: Oh yeah. She was just basically handed all the evidence.
0: I think that they all hit the realization at different points in the process. That's it. What do you think? uh, Tell me about your red flags, because we both in watching this, we both looked at each other and said red flags. Like, so I, I wonder if ours are different.
1: Yeah. Well, so there were a ton, but I just focused on two, which we kind of covered, but so one that was super obvious to me was why would you be asking these women for money instead of your family, yeah. instead of the business, instead of probably all the other uber rich people that you know, it's it's like that stranger danger saying where yeah. adults shouldn't be asking kids for help, right? Right. <laughs> billionaires shouldn't be asking non-billionaires for financial assistance. Yeah. It's just, I'm sorry, what? Like, this can't be the first time this ever happened to your family and you're asking me who works at wherever to get you thousands of dollars tomorrow? Mm. Yeah. One not so obvious that we also briefly mentioned is that bodyguards have a job and bodyguards for high profile, high worth clients. One, you will they'll probably have a very strong presence As sort of that first layer of defense. And they will not be drunk. They will not be partying. I am not going to be a billionaire and have my bodyguard partying with me unless it's his night off and we happen to be friends. But also, you're not just gonna have one layer of defense. You're gonna have the gray man bodyguards that nobody ever sees.
0: Right. Exactly.
1: (laughs) So I mean, at this level, like this, it was just it was, it was such low level showmanship shit like the things that i know about like executive protection and yeah. and all of that this was like so obvious that this was a show
0: well you're i love that you said that because your two red flags that you pointed out one of them was clearly related to tactics protection, law enforcement, that was your, your latter one. But your first one is also just like complete common sense. And I get that common sense is an incredibly vague term. Sure. But you're hitting on like these specific areas that I'm not sure other people would. And then I felt like I looked at some things that sort of maybe speak to my suspicious nature. Okay. Because I'm a, I'm a little bit suspicious. I come from a suspicious family and that's why I'm either Suspicious or completely naive. Like there is no middle ground for me. I either fall for it <laughs> Don't or I'm completely be suspicious.
1: Don't yeah. be suspicious.
0: <laughs> so, the things that I would have immediately pointed out or I did within watching this, I should have watched it with sound off Instagram, all of his solo pics. There's so little mm. interaction of him with friends. So, yep. he's always sending these singular selfie photos. And there's never anyone in the picture. There's no historical sort of context for it. That's not generally what people do. Like they're going to show, like my selfies are showing a specific aspect of what's going on for me. Hey, I'm at Salt and Straw and I'm getting the best ice cream that exists on Mm -hmm. the planet. And I Mm -hmm. want a picture of me holding my, you know, like that kind of thing. But he's always like sending his blue steel modeling look he's got like slightly pursed lips with his head slightly tilted down he knows his angles he's got his five o'clock shadow always wearing dark glasses you know little trim shirts and everything
1: that's good because I want to go back and look and see like are you able to tell anything identifiable in the background are they all really closely cropped so you can't tell when the fuck this picture was taken or right. really where it is, unless well, he there, wants you to show he wants it off. You
0: to, He definitely wants you to know that he's in an airplane. A lot of them are in the airplane oh, yeah. or on the boat. So that'd be interesting if like I wonder if people were like, oh, he's sending me this at this time. But in Israel right now, it's midnight. So it's why dark. is there yeah. sun coming? Why, why are you on a boat? Anyway, I don't. that was just one of the things. Also, really bad Photoshopping. Like there's the picture of him and the Laviv family. And it's clearly... <laughs> So it's not an it's not an awful photoshop job but it's also clearly not the same picture
1: it's not you know. good it was not kardashian level quality no, photoshop not at all. clearly not
0: the other red flag points he's rushing all of the interactions he doesn't seem to be rushing things but rushing things of like go to bulgaria with me and you know she runs home mm. to pack like that is way way too fast so there's well, these... he's a
1: busy guy scott come on i guess like, i'm leaving london tomorrow can you meet for coffee real quick But like planting, but I have to be gone tomorrow.
0: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So he's, you know, he's already set up, you know, that's part of him setting up the way the schedule is going to go.
1: What do they make of it? Like, oh my God, how romantic he's going to make time for me. And he's a very busy man, but he's fitting me into schedule. He's going to fly all the way here just for me. But then it's like, yeah, you're getting two hours of his time.
0: But so that is, that's great. I didn't pick, I didn't really think of it that way, but then that, that sort of puts a fish hook in your sense of uniqueness or specialness yep. in his yep. eyes. Yeah. But that, even that being said, the boundaries exhibited in this particular set of interactions between people were very poor boundaries. Way in your first couple of weeks of meeting someone, you don't tell them your entire lives, you don't give them the names of your families and where they live and what they do. That's just not good. Yeah to do in today's world at all the other thing was the ex with the kid really bugged me like that was very very strange and i you know, maybe it's a male versus female perspective maybe a female would see that as like oh he's being a good dad and he cares about his exes i immediately thought what the fuck does he thinks he has a harem so he's <laughs> like i was grossed out by that yeah that, it's like, yeah, but that then,
1: makes sense i think it could be disarming though
0: yeah. Also, like, you know, Pernilla, there's one, I think there's one thing where she realizes that she sent all of her information to him for all the travel. So he yes. has passports, you know, that boy, that's a dead giveaway. Like when they tell you, you travel, you know, when you travel, you don't ever give anyone your passport. You don't leave your passport in the hotel room where you put or it goes in a safe if it's going to stay there or you put it on your special like interior zipped pockets or something. Right. Especially in today's world. I mean, the other thing that was a giveaway is the absolute 180 degree switch from cooperative vulnerable into angry, 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 mm-hmm. like making threats, calling them horrible names. Like that's just not, that's not within nope. the normal range of emotions of a person who is healthy mentally, who is a good person. They just, people don't do that. Right.
1: Yeah. Those are good ones. Very good. Red flags. Again, in our hindsight, watching a documentary. Yes. Of course. So I want to talk a little bit about how to keep yourself safe on oh, these apps. And actually, this comes straight from Tinder. These are their guidelines. I believe these were developed after this story came out. Oh. So I thought we would just read through these real quick. Maybe Boy, talk about comments.
0: They must have had their liability red flags oh, waving, right? you
1: think? <laughs> <laughs> okay. So the first one... And we can apply, like, did this happen in this case or not? If they quickly ask you to leave the dating service to communicate directly. So they say this could be an indicator that they're attempting to remove traces of the interaction and get more of your personal information, like your phone number, which can be lucrative for a scammer.
0: That's a really good one. That's a really good one. Yeah. Why? No, we're just getting to know each other. Let's keep it here on the app for a while.
1: Yeah. 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 Because it doesn't, I I think what I like about this is they're not just speaking to romantic scams, but all sorts, like they're just trying to get information out of you. I mean, even romantic scams have that financial gain goal piece, but I I like this one because it could apply across the board. Like don't give them your information and on the app, it's, it can be documented and they're trying to get you off.
0: Well there's that next point that you pulled up from from tender that is really sort of really resonates with me because in bold letters it says if it seems too good to be true yep <laughs> then it probably is right and that's something that is each as an individual exercise for all of us is to Like step out of our first-person narrative and and step out of our bodies, be a little bit detached from the situation and question what's going on. And then they go on to give an example of that issue that I think very strongly of, which is love bombing. Frequent, over-the-top displays of affection or attention. That is definitely a red flag. A scammer wants to establish a relationship with their victim as quickly as possible, so you have to be really suspicious my inbred quality of anyone oh who says that your introduction was fate like oh this is this is fate this is like this is such a special meeting like if they make grand promises and even propose marriage very quickly ooh that's that's yep. another version and part and parcel of Nailed the love it. bombing yeah
1: so their third tip is if they avoid meeting up IRL. So Tinder says scam artists will often make plans and cancel at the last minute due to unforeseen, often serious circumstances. Like I'm going underground. <laughs> these excuses like a medical or family emergency or something keeping them overseas often become the reason that they ask for financial support. And I think we learned through Fool Me twice that a lot of these romance scams, it was catfishing especially, where they- um, yeah. They impersonate men in the military because one, they'll be off grid for a long period of time. They're overseas, untraceable, all that bullshit. You
0: know what the other one is? Is oil workers. Oh, I'll say, yeah. Oh, I'm going to Alaska and like we're out in the middle of nowhere. There's no cell coverage. It's like there's no place on earth that doesn't have Wi-Fi now. So <laughs>
1: <laughs> I don't know. You said excuse last weekend when I was at the range for two days and
0: oh, I had in it in of my I had it in my RFID bag, you know, <laughs> like the that blocks yeah. all the signals. My little portable Faraday cage. Also, what was the next point? If they ask for personal information, and the, the quote from them is, "A connection shouldn't ever require the sharing of passport." Absolutely agrees. Correct. Driver's license. Absolutely agree. So Social security number. Absolutely agree, or any other information that is otherwise considered to be private. Yeah.
1: I don't know, Scott. I mean, are you really my bestie? I kind of need your social security <laughs> number to for sure you to prove that to me.
0: <laughs> well, that's the thing. Maybe this is just part of a long con. This friendship is really <gasps> just been Dang. a long con. You're totally gone girling me.
1: I am like, in it for the long time. Went and
0: got married and had a kid to be part of it. <laughs>
1: yeah, uh, which I didn't want to do. So that was all part of the plan. <laughs>
0: Yeah. I hope it's worth it.
1: I met you. I got out of law enforcement. I was like, oh, I guess I have to be a psychologist forever now. <laughs> to take all of your millions of dollars
0: yes my millions
1: okay next one is if they emphasize financial obstacles or challenges figuring out who prefers to pay the bill at dinner is one thing but being pulled into someone's personal financial woes or needs is another if this happens particularly early in conversation it may be a sign of deeper deception i think that's great like this is great stuff from tinder
0: it is great, and you know, I could even say like if you if you're going Dutch treat on a first date, which I always think is way better yeah, than. For sure. th- I mean, it just really establishes more of a neutral ground. to See where you're going to go. But if you're going on a first date and somebody like starts up, tapping their pants um, because they don't have their wallet, I'd be like, oh, I'm going to oh, pay God. for it, and I'm getting getting out of here. Yeah, because. That's so ridiculous. Like, first of all, like, yes, people can forget things. People don't forget wallets on dates. They just don't. It it just doesn't happen. And,
1: right, right.
0: It's all, and also if they do, like, maybe you need somebody that has higher executive functioning than the person that's sitting across the table (laughs) from you, right?
1: Yes. But I love that Tinder's like, okay. (laughs) But if you're chatting with people and then they're starting to tell you their woes, like, Get out. Like, it's time to go swipe on someone else.
0: Well, right. I mean, that's another... Like, just as aside from swindles is if you're at, on your first date and somebody mm-hmm. won't stop talking about their ex, yeah, get out. That person's right. not ready to date again because they're still... Mourning that, and which is okay to mourn as long as you need, but you don't need to dump that on somebody that you don't know. That is right. toxic and it's just not helpful. And the last point that they have is in big bold letters, even a meeting in real life, IRL, requires some vigilance. Well, duh, of course yes. it does. That's and it's good for everybody to be reminded of this. Some scammers are actually skilled con artists who are adept at earning trust quickly. These individuals may paint a picture of an ideal life in the future. But ask for access to your financial resources today while they wait for the red tape to clear on their investments or business dealings. So it totally makes sense. I'm just telling people it that's not the way the world works. And by the way, if somebody has that many red tape things going on in their life, they're not ready to date. And they shouldn't be sharing that with you, right? It, right. is right. not the way it works.
1: And I would hope that... I don't know if anyone reads any of these when they sign up for Tinder. I would hope that they make you like... Read through them before you like click through the app, but
0: or how about um, this? Like if you're if you're signing up for Tinder or anything. Than that you have to watch a Flash movie oh, that's that three minutes good. long. Like that is required when you're creating an account. And like when you and I are doing CEUs for the agencies right. we work for, and it's like it's not one that you can just turn on and walk away from. It, it like requires you to interact with it, you know, for 20 oh minutes God. or so. Yes. But seriously, like, wouldn't that be a great way for people to like, no, this is what you're coming into and this is what to be careful for. It's still not going to get to more than 20% of people because some people are just choose not to listen to that. But clearly, yeah. you know, going Going back to this main point, when somebody shows you through their behaviors who they are, believe them. There you go. Both positive and negative. You know, if you are an adult... And you are attempting to date another adult who is unable to act in an adult fashion across a mm. spectrum of behaviors, then those are red flags. Never go into a relationship thinking that you're gonna fix someone else's problems. That's that is a really no. bad, bad trait to have and means you just need to finely tune your radar and examine why that yeah. feels attractive at that time. Listen anyway, to your gut, right? Yeah.
1: Okay, so, so some,
0: what's going on now with him? Yeah,
1: some updates. So it becomes pretty clear that if the Netflix documentary had never aired, Shimon would likely have been able to continue to con a number of women. But like a Ponzi scheme, which in effect this was, it would not have been sustainable
0: forever. No, that just wouldn't. The exposure from Netflix resulted in Shimon being banned from dating apps like Tinder and Hinge. Shimon. To this day, vehemently denies the charges. He claims innocence and somehow manages to quickly adapt back to that influencer lifestyle. Ugh. At the end of the doc, you're, you're watching him with another slender, Nordic-looking blonde at his side. Yep. And then here goes back to the dark triad. He goes on to poke fun at the charges, at the women that are laying the charges on him. Mm-hmm. In a snickering way that is so, that's sociopathic right there. I mean, I guess it's good that we see who he is, but like for anybody that wonders what an example of what we've been talking about in the the dark triad is, that is it right there. You know, he believes that he's immune to any legal action. So he's not really thinking 10 steps down the road legally for himself the way he ran his scam. That's very interesting.
1: But he's like, haha, I got away with it, basically. And you guys are suffering. And so. Exactly. What? Ugh. But there's some great news. Little Shimmy is now being sued by the actual billionaire's family and estate. They are accusing him of profiting by pretending to be a member of their family. And Guy Ophir, the Lviv family attorney, has stated that this is just the beginning of a number of lawsuits planned. And this is particularly interesting because why would anyone go up against a family with literally... Unlimited resources. This when this part came to light, where that he was writing false like checks. I was like, "Oh, you're fucked now, buddy." Because I know uh, what. Like you might have swindled these women who have nothing comparatively, but still. And now you have
0: somebody with unlimited legal resources across international waters to do anything that they want. And and by the way, and I have nothing—I had know nothing about the Leviev family, but I'd be terrified of any other billionaire. There are stories right. every day in the news of what some of our most famous billionaires do when they're pissed off at you. You know, they yeah. can ruin your electronic lives. You know, what would some of them that maybe have divergent moral compasses? What would they do? Why would you take that risk? Again, it makes me wonder if he's so good at executive functioning and planning his cons, but he's not really thinking about the consequences of actions going down the road. Remember when he was sobbing, like Eileen took him to the plastic surgeon because he thought he could go in there and like get a new face. And then when the doctor says, the only people that ask for these kinds of surgeries are criminals and get out, I'm not going to do it for you. And he just (laughs) breaks down. He said,
1: I want my face changed with John Travolta's the doctor said, no, I won't do that for
0: you. <laughs> I'll give you Nick Cage's instead.
1: Yeah.
0: So Felicity Morris is the director. She did a great job with this. I Again, I just think it's so tight. She offers really great praise for all three of the women who openly participated in the production. And she says this, they had fire in their bellies. They both wanted to do this more than anything and get the story out on a global platform. So it did feel like we were working together to tell the story in the best possible way. I think that they really trusted us. They handed us their WhatsApp of their entire relationship. Yeah, That really made me think, too, of like, oh, my God, like, for the most part, I'm completely fine. But there are times that I've made statements to people in text that, like, if they were misconstrued, I could be in prison or something, probably. (laughs) I doubt it. But if you want a really great bit of sweet revenge, here you go. Another article on our resource page, Fortune Magazine, reported that Little Shim Shim, he himself, (laughs) has now become the victim of an internet scam. Yay! Yay! A verified Instagram influencer going by the name or a handle, Rishana. She allegedly, and I guess we have to say that a lot during this episode, told Little Shim Shim that her boyfriend who worked at Meta, Meta, which is now what the parent company of Facebook, they could verify his profile and get him the very very fancy blue check mark indicating coveted. yes very coveted blue check mark that indicated that he was famous or had at least celebrity status so apparently he fell for the grift He sent Rishana just under $7,000, only later uh, discovering that he had fallen for a con. I mean, it's a tiny amount relative to the amounts that he allegedly stole, but it's a little bit heartwarming unless you think, I wonder if this was one of his plans. Did they work Uh... on it together? Did he release that information to Fortune magazine so he could try and, and get like a little bit of a different perspective of how people saw him? You know, mm, the victim.
1: No pu- no publicity is bad publicity. Uh exactly. Perhaps. Hmm. Perhaps. Well, he refused to be part of the documentary. They did ask him. He has since spoken out a little bit. He told Inside Edition that he was, quote, just a single guy that wanted to meet some girls on Tinder and insisted that he was not a Tinder swindler and that the documentary was, quote, a complete made-up movie. Yeah,
0: because that's what people do.
1: (laughs) Right. (laughs) So like you said, he's been banned from Tinder, which he was back on after he served those few months on the fraud charge. Since the doc, he was... Charging $74.99 for Cameo messages when I looked yesterday. <laughs> he's still on there. There were reports made back in May of this year that he was attempting to charge up to $1,600 for a video message. But I did a little calculation, and there are 175 reviews. So at about 75 bucks a pop, he's made $13,000 off Cameo. Yeah. So... I maybe, mean,
0: Maybe that's something we should be doing.
1: <laughs> oh, my God. Please let us know if you yeah. guys... And, if you guys um, want
0: wants to do a cameo, let us know.
1: $7.50 a pop. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. But he's still looking for ways
0: to well, use his name. Yes. He got himself an agent here in Los Angeles because... Of course. Reasons, I guess. Because... <laughs> because <laughs> reasons. He is clearly hoping to cash in on this new level of exposure because, like you said... Any press is good press. No press is bad press. Like several electronic magazines have reported that he's attempting to start a podcast and a dating show. Fortunately for the soul of humanity, none of those have yet panned out, which makes me very happy. Now, his Instagram has been deleted, but at its height, it had over 1.4 million followers. Wow. Jesus. Wow.
1: Oh my Lord. A little bit of other update, which I thought was just super sweet. The three victims from the documentary, Cecilia, Pernilla, and Eileen, teamed up with the CEO of L'Aviv Diamonds. And they have launched a bracelet that they named Stronger Together. And the piece was designed by the women. It features two Interlocking gold rings with two diamonds. It's $169 if anyone wants to go buy it. And the profits all go to the women to help them recoup their financial losses. And they together have agreed to donate 10% of the profits to charity.
0: I thought that was really amazing. That says a lot about the Laviv family. They Doesn't didn't have to it? do that.
1: I know. Yeah, you know, I that's know. Pretty great. I mean, why not? That's like no skin off their teeth. And is it something
0: you would buy? Do you like it? objectively is it it's cute it
1: almost it, it reminds me of a very classy like tiffany's piece almost okay. it's, it's very dainty chain and then it has the two very small interlocking pieces it's nice Yeah.
0: Okay, good.
1: Yeah. I also wanted to read a quote from Eileen that I really liked. She said, quote, the misconception a lot of people still have is that we fell for his money. The truth is, I thought I really had a connection with him, but a fraudster is like a chameleon. They change their colors. They change their personality with everyone they encounter. Everyone thinks we just fell in love with him. And within a few days we were sending him money, but it's not true. For example, in my case, I was already with him for seven months before he started to ask for money. People are calling us gold diggers, but I think I would be the worst gold digger in the world if I gave him all my money.
0: That's a very good point. And that corrects what I had said earlier. I thought that the money requests and maybe in other cases started sooner. You know, going back to how people fall into it, each of his marks saw him as someone that listened when they talked. And also, this is the common thread that came through all three women as well, that he had a strong work ethic.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: You know, and according to a lot of research, women express that being really heard or listened to on a first date is rare. And to take it even further, Shimon created an atmosphere that portrayed him as a doting father and that he had family as his ultimate priority.
1: Yeah. So if those things are important to you, being heard. Having someone that could be potentially a good father, having a strong work ethic. This could be the perfect relationship served up on a platter. A yeah, silver so, platter.
0: At that. So, so platinum, gold platter. Platinum. platinum. <laughs> Tiffany, diamond-encrusted platter. Fun fact trivia, this was produced by the guy that brought us Don't F with Cats.
1: Oh, that totally makes sense. I mean, totally like the digital sense. visuals yeah. with the social media and all of that. Got it. Before we go, again, just to recap, we have a few... Final thoughts on app-based dating from a psychological perspective. The research shows that users really have a negative shift in their self-image due to what they feel is failure or a lack of success with dating apps. And you can start to question your physical attractiveness and market viability when it comes to relationships.
0: Yeah. The problems all emerge out of what I would call that blank space of information that exists around The world of interpersonal relationships, like I've said before, nature abhors a vacuum and so does our emotional life. When we're missing huge chunks of data about the person that we're interacting with, or we're missing chunks of data about how that individual feels about us, it's really dangerously easy to fill in those blanks with wildly incorrect information. We can fill it in with our hopes and that's dangerous.
1: Right. It can be helpful to get through this by considering their response as being about them rather than about you or your attractiveness. It actually is possible that the other person is having a bad day or they themselves are challenged by factors that you have no way to predict.
0: Right, because they're an unknown. And I I love that you're pointing that out because as much as I'm always ready to go full asshole assumption mode on people, when I take a breath and step back... I realize that there's a lot that I don't know about what's going on with that person on the other side of their screen, both Mm. positive and negative. That maybe, you know, I've got to be open and cautious and, you know, navigate my way through this unknown territory. Sure,
1: sure. Yeah, there's a lot of uniqueness to The app use and preventing a downward plummeting shame spiral can sometimes be prevented by a very simple action, put your phone down. You have to remember that the apps are part of a very well-constructed business model that's designed to keep you engaged for as long as possible more app time means more money for the developer. It's it, it it's not about you. <laughs> Take your power back and limit the time that you use the apps and let it be scheduled rather than something to do while you're bored.
0: Yeah. Consider moving away from the apps that are based primarily on photos and swiping, maybe to apps or websites that require you to write a profile. You know, it'll... By constructing a profile, you give something to people that they can explore about you. But mostly... You know, challenge yourself to construct a bio that's realistic and expresses your values about life and relationships, not necessarily like a a do and don't. Like, you know, if you're already projecting all of the worst qualities of your ex on any potential person coming down the road, that's a problem. You know, we've got to find this sort of uh, gray area from which to navigate. Again, express your values about life and relationships to see if people can match those values. The goal is to connect with someone who values you at your intrinsic self.
1: But also, no judgment. And if you're just trying to hook up with someone, I don't care how you're doing it. We we have no problem with that. No (laughs) problem with that at all.
0: Be safe. Yeah.
1: But lastly, as difficult as this is, get out of the house and connect with real people. Please. And I know this has been tough with the last going on three years of how we've been limited in that way, but real physical connection helps keep our brains wired properly. That's what we're wired for. So you need to keep those literal connections going.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. I want to let's wrap it up on our final thoughts and ratings. One thing that we didn't touch on that was particularly poignant and challenging and sad Mm. was the scene where you actually see his mom. Right. And get to see her express her frustration with him. I mean, the documentarians are chasing down Shimon. They've like, they've tracked him back. They found out who he really is. They're looking at his criminal history, tracking down old neighborhoods. And it's definitely not a rich area of anywhere. It is a low income place. Here's this woman clearly struggling with health and mobility issues. You know, she's walking up to her door to unlock it at the same time that they're standing in the hallway mm-hmm. waiting. And so you can really feel how exhausted, frustrated, done she is with all of this yeah. in a, that very, very brief interaction. And I I painted a whole picture behind that. I mean, oh, I, me like, too. I, was I, like, I went this backwards is... in time and like he was a little kid that saw how poor they were and like, I am not going to be this. No matter what.
1: But I was also like, this is the mother of a psychopath. Like she's just probably been fucked over by him too, in certain ways. She's done. She's just like, I don't even know that person is, I think something to the extent of what she says. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So I save this to the end. I didn't want to start off this episode saying this, but swindles and fraud type stuff is not really my jam. (laughs) These are not topics that are wildly entertaining to me just as a true crime consumer. Like as a psychologist, yes. I think everything we talked about today is, is endlessly interesting. I'm going to give it two brains because it's, I actually had to start it like three different times, not because it's bad quality. I love the quality and I love how they keep my attention, but it just, I just doesn't speak to you. It just, it just doesn't speak to me. Yeah. It, it really doesn't. And neither like, and, and I've said this before in our first episode in, on cults, like cults, I know they're wildly fascinating to people, but I'm just like, eh, it's not my thing.
0: <laughs> I no, I think that's fascinating. Uh, maybe because that's an area. I mean, I'm not to you know get us both on the couch, but like maybe that's just something that's not interesting to you because it's so clear that that would not be a path you took. Hopefully, I mean, because anyone can become a victim. Yeah, I think you know?
1: so. And I, I've and I've certainly learned that, and and that's the. You know, one of the, the touchstones of this is that the right thing comes along. We could all be victims to it. I just so you don't would know what it
0: is. It, yeah, you would give it five brains for, for quality of production, though, right?
1: I like it, but I feel like it was sort of revisiting Don't Fuck With Cats, which... I loved how they just, you know, it's almost as if you're living, watching these people's phones and sort of flowing back and forth. I felt like I had seen that before, to be honest. And obviously now I know why, because you told us about it. But I think the best part about this for me was that it was, it felt victim driven. And for that, that's why I'm not giving it a zero or a one, because I honestly don't know if I would have watched it, even though this was like all the rage, if people had not been so interested and asked us to do it. So yeah, I'm sticking with my two brains. Don't try okay. to, don't try to con me up to a five, Scott.
0: Well, I I give them a five. I am fascinated well, by cults. Like I am fascinated by this because I think that, that it peaks something in me that wants to test myself to make sure that I would never fall for this because I don't know if I would or wouldn't. I liked, I did like the pacing, especially I thought even though it dragged in the first like 15, 20 minutes, I felt like once they set up a, a rhythm, it was really good. And there was like resolution. I mean, not, not that a true crime documentary that's done in two hours can always come to a firm resolution, but I felt like I walked away with it, satiated Okay, you know, as, yeah. as opposed to being yeah. like left left
1: we don't always hanging. get
0: that. Yeah, we don't always get it. So again, highly highly rated show on Netflix. Yep. If you're into this stuff, I would really even I think for multiple reasons you should give it a try. I think anybody should give it a try. If you're if you think you're not interested, you might, probably will be.
1: I think you're trying to love bomb our audience right now and i am
0: that's all watching. i do is just love bomb
1: everybody watched it already but i love this i love that we had such a difference of opinion
0: yeah
1: we were pretty close on the last one and this is a fun part of this
0: yeah i'm the <laughs> well i'm the perfect audience member i love everything as, a, as, an, as an audience member once you can get me to watch it so well
1: clearly you're watching so much television <sighs> and i know <laughs> Okay. That was fun. Thank you for picking that Scott. I think it's going to provide a lot of good chatter for folks who have already watched us, but to think about you know, some of the deeper issues, which is what we're here for and what Absolutely. people have asked. It's so we do. I'll be thinking about what I'm going to pick for next month. So awesome. I already have some ideas. Okay, everyone that does it for our documentary review episode, and we'll see you next time on LA. Not so. Confidential. Bye-bye. We sincerely thank you for spending some time with us today. LA Not So Confidential is part of the Crawlspace Media Network in partnership with Glassbox Media. Each episode is hosted, produced, and written by Dr. Scott and Dr. Shiloh. Our post-production editing and sweetening magic is handled by the multi-talented Jason Esri of Ear Cult
0: Productions. The LA Not So Confidential theme entitled Cool Vibes Film Noir is composed and performed by the talented Kevin McLeod. He graciously allows us to use his music via a Creative Commons attribution license. Please Please check out all of Kevin's amazing work on YouTube.
1: All of the resources for each episode can be found on our website at la-not-so-confidential.com. You can find us on Instagram at la-not-so-podcast, on Twitter at la-not-so-pod, and on Facebook at la-not-so-confidential. Media inquiries and bookings are scheduled at alienistentertainment at gmail.com.
0: Please join us each month on Saturdays at 4 p.m. Pacific Standard Time for a live streaming and very interactive broadcast on Get Vocal entitled Behind the Couch. Stay tuned to all of our social media for our live streaming scheduling announcements.
1: Subscribe to LA Not So Confidential wherever you get your audio so you never miss a new episode. Lastly, we'd be honored if you joined our Patreon at patreon.com slash LA Not Podcast so you can be the first notified about upcoming live events, social gatherings, and super cool swag coming your way.
0: Thanks for listening and join us next time on LA Not So Confidential.